Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Yes, God loves you. He loves you right where you're at, but he's not going to leave you where you're at. Listen, he calls us to repent. And so that means to turn to him from everyone and everything else that has or would keep us from following and serving him. That's what he requires. If we're going to be his sheep, then the shepherd, he's going to bring us under his care. And he knows what's best for us. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, and 30 through 34, in a message titled, The Compassionate Shepherd. Now, here's Pastor Brian. He's moved with compassion, and it's a picture of him actually being physically affected by what he sees with these people. We've all had that, I think, probably, unless there's a person here that just has actually zero feelings, which I'm (laughs) thinking not the case. You know, we all know what that's like. You know, you see a situation and, you know, you just suddenly, you have that feeling of just, it's like in in your gut. You know, we talk about sometimes we see something that it's like, it's like a punch in the gut. And, you know, you see some, a a person, you see their plight and it's just like, oh, it just hits you physically. It it affects you. And that's the the terminology that's used here. In the older translations of the Bible, it refers to things like the bowels of mercy. Now, you know, your bowels, you know what your bowels are, right? We know what irritable bowel syndrome is. So we know what bowels are. Why would they say bowels of mercy? Well, for this very reason, because of the, of the way we feel in the ancient's mind, that was the center of emotion. Must be there because you feel that compassion there. And so what's being described here by Mark is that Jesus was actually like doubled over with compassion for people. Compassion, according to Webster's Dictionary, is this sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. So it is a sympathetic consciousness of the the distress of others, but it's not just looking at someone and saying, oh my gosh, that's horrible. It's, oh my gosh, that's horrible. And how can I help them? And I'm going to help them. Jesus was compassionate because he looked at them and felt all of that, but then said, I've I've got to do something about this. And of course, we go now and we see what he did. He began to teach them about God. One other place where we read about being moved with compassion, the one other place we read about it, and this is important to our understanding of who God has compassion on, because sometimes we can even think, well, yeah, you know, I can understand God having compassion on people that have been hurt by others or people whose problems have been brought about by, you know, something somebody else has done to them. I can, I can understand that. But for the person who's brought their trouble upon themselves, it's hard to see that God would have compassion on that. Maybe even you yourself feel that way. 
you feel like, well, you know what? I deserve what I'm getting. And maybe you do deserve what you're getting. But you know what? God doesn't think that about you. God has compassion even on you. See, for us sometimes, uh, we think this, and so we think God thinks this. You know, you see somebody who's just basically made a mess out of their life through really bad choices and things like that. And you say, hey, buddy, you know, you sowed it, now you're reaping it. Or you made your bed, now you got to lie in it. You know what? God doesn't say that. And in the story of the prodigal son, remember that story? It's a story that Jesus tells to illustrate the heart of God toward those who go astray. Now, remember the prodigal son, this guy brought all of his trouble upon himself because he didn't really appreciate what he had with his dad. He didn't really care about his dad. He really cared just about himself and he wanted his inheritance. And he said, man, I'm out of here, dad. Give me my inheritance and adios. And he took off. And he went out and we're, we're told in the story, Jesus is telling the story, that he spent all of his money on riotous living and all of this kind of stuff. And finally he finds himself flat broke. And, you know, after living in the mud, he finally decides, you know, my, my father's, you know, the servants have it better off than I do. So he's going to go back. And he's really going back because things didn't work out like he thought. And so as he's coming back, this is what Jesus said. And his father saw him from a distance and was moved with compassion. See, when his father saw him coming home, he was moved with compassion. Now, he had a brother too. His brother wasn't so compassionate. His brother's like, what do you mean you're going to give him a party? That guy shouldn't even be part of the family anymore. You know, he left. That, that's the attitude of the brother is sometimes the, the attitude that we have toward people in, that are, you know, sinners that have messed up their lives because of sin. We kind of think of it like that. No, let them, just let them live with it. You know, that they, this is, they brought it on themselves. But that's not the heart of God. God has compassion, even upon those that have brought the misery upon themselves through their own sin. Now, Jesus looked at them as sheep without a shepherd. Now, that's, that's very meaningful. I mean, it's, you know, obviously very well understood in the context in which it was spoken. People understood back then in, in that culture and even today in that culture. People understand uh, what, what sheep without a shepherd are like. Basically, sheep without a shepherd are, are not doing well. That's the idea. Because sheep are really dependent on the shepherd for their welfare and for their safety. So when Jesus looked at them as sheep without a shepherd, he's looking at people who are in bad, bad shape. That's just really the idea. But just really quickly, a couple of things about sheep. Sheep don't have strong homing instincts, so they're easily lost. Uh, sheep have no defensive skills, and so they are easy prey. Sheep don't really think independently. They kind of just follow each other. So if one decides to go, you know, throw himself over a cliff, they're all going to just follow suit and go with them. 
And th those are just, you know, certain things about sheep that are realities. It's no accident that the Bible often refers to us as sheep. If you think of all the animals that, you know, we, we could have been likened to. But the point with sheep is not that they're stupid, but that they're, they're, they're helpless really to take care of themselves. They need the shepherd. That's the point. So Jesus sees them like a neglected flock. They're sheep without a shepherd. Now, in the Bible, God is referred to as a shepherd at least seven times. And probably the, the most well-known of those seven times are, number one, Psalm 23. How many of you know Psalm 23? Psalm 23 says, it begins with these words, the Lord is my shepherd. So that's probably the most well-known. But John 10 as well, because Jesus says of himself, he says, I am the good shepherd. And then there's one other passage in Hebrews 13, verse 20, that making reference to Jesus speaks of him as the great shepherd of the sheep. But, but let's think about that for a minute. Now, remember also that Psalm 23 is a Psalm of David. David is a shepherd. Now, what I know about sheep, I know from reading articles or, you know, maybe I've had a conversation with somebody who tends to sheep. And so, you, you know, you pick up a few little bits and pieces here and there, some, you know, interesting things. But, you know, the shepherd really knows sheep. And, and you talk to a shepherd and they can tell you fascinating little things that you would never even be able to imagine about sheep. So David is that guy. David is a shepherd. He knows everything about sheep and he knows what sheep need and how they're going to be best taken care of. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, David is describing God in a way that he understands like very few people understand, because he himself is in that position of being a shepherd. And what does he say about the Lord being a shepherd? Just a few things. He says, uh, first of all, he says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, which is uh, an older way of just saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I, I will not lack anything. I'm going to be completely provided for. I'm going to be taken care of. There's not going to be any lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it goes on, and I'm not going to quote the whole psalm, but he brings me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You see, a shepherd knows that those are things that sheep have to be led to, that sheep are easily agitated. And so they've got to be brought to a place where they can rest. That, that sheep need water but won't drink water if it's running water. If it's flowing, if it's a creek or a river, they're, they're frightened by that. So they, they would just not drink if that's the case. So the shepherd is going to lead them to the place where they will drink and be nourished. And then David goes on, he says, he leads me. And that's so much of that psalm is really talking about because the Lord is my shepherd, he's going to lead me and I can, 
I can just be confident in that. He goes on, he talks about, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. And then he says this, he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He knows that goodness and mercy are with him. Why? Because the Lord is his shepherd. So Jesus, the one that we're reading about here, who looks at the people and says, you know, that he has compassion on them. Jesus takes to himself the title of shepherd. So when, when Jesus said in John chapter 10, he, when he says, I am the good shepherd, everybody that heard him, what did they think of immediately? They thought of Psalm 23. All, all, all the Israelites knew Psalm 23. It was one of those things they would have learned from the time they were little kids. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The one that David wrote about, the Lord is my shepherd, that's me. And then he said this, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You see, this is the ultimate demonstration of the goodness of a shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd loves the sheep so much that he will put himself in harm's way rather than let the sheep be harmed. Now, in the passage, Jesus is contrasting himself as the good shepherd with the bad shepherds who were over the people at the time. And he refers to them as a hireling or hirelings. And he says about the hireling, the hireling doesn't care about the sheep because the sheep don't belong to them. See, the hireling is just a guy who needed a job and decided, okay, well, I guess I'll take care of these sheep, but I don't really care about them. And if they get carried off by a lion or a bear, that's their problem. I'm not going to go chasing after that. Let them go. Oh, they fall in the river. That's their problem. I'm, just, I'm not going to jump in and try to save them. That's the attitude of the hireling. Jesus said, he's a good shepherd. He gives his life. That's like the ultimate demonstration of his goodness as the good shepherd. And he goes on there and he talks about how my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You know, in, in the Middle East and even today, the shepherds will tell you that the sheep are very uh, sharp when it comes to they know the shepherd's voice. And they are so able to sense any kind of difference in tone that a person even trying to imitate the shepherd, they will not respond. They know the shepherd's voice. And so Jesus is the good shepherd. And then, as I said in Hebrews, he's referred to as the great shepherd of the sheep. So the main point that I want to leave us with today is we have a compassionate shepherd who is committed to taking care of us and leading us and guiding us through life. And because we have a compassionate shepherd, we can know that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we can know that even when we go astray, even when we mess up, even when we say the wrong thing publicly, even if we at some time under duress said, well, I don't, I don't really even know Jesus. That the attitude of the shepherd is one of compassion. Again, yes, of course he's compassionate on those who 
deserve compassion. Obviously, he is. But you know, here's the, the, the really crazy thing is he's compassionate even on the ones that don't deserve it. That's what mercy is. That's what grace is. See, because we would look at certain people and say, no, no compassion for them. Because I wouldn't have compassion on them. But God does. God has compassion. And we need to remember that. Because there, you know, there might come a time in life. I, I have found this. You don't appreciate grace fully until you need it. You know, as long as I don't see myself as really needing grace, I, you know, grace is great, but, you know, that's for those losers out there, you know, I'm actually okay. But, you know, the moment you need grace, man, you really start to appreciate it. Well, Jesus is the compassionate shepherd. And so he has compassion on them. And what does he do? He just, he begins to teach them. He begins to bring them under the care of the good shepherd. Now, Jesus, the great shepherd, we, we see he has compassion on the wayward, but let's be clear about this. He does call us to repent. So with, with the sheep that go astray, he doesn't let them keep going astray. He, he brings them back into the fold. And the gospel goes out. Now, you know, there's a lot of confusion about this today. And people are saying this kind of stuff all the time now. They're saying, hey, God loves us unconditionally. God loves you no matter what. So, man, don't worry about it. Just keep doing what you're doing, and it's all good. And, man, God loves you. I read yesterday somewhere, you know, somebody was talking about talking to a person who was struggling with uh, same-sex attraction and... This person was saying, you know, when I talk to somebody that's struggling with same-sex attraction, I say, man, don't struggle any longer. God loves you just the way you are. He made you just the way you are. It's all good. Just enjoy God's love. It's unconditional. In other words, hey, just keep doing that. It's, it's okay. No, no, that's not the message. Yes, God loves you. He loves you right where you're at, but he's not going to leave you where you're at. And that's what repentance is. He's, he's calling you out of those kinds of things. And that's just one, I'm just using that example because that's the one I, I read about yesterday. But listen, he calls us to repent. And so that means to turn to him from everyone and everything else that has or would keep us from following and serving him. That's what he requires. If we're going to be his sheep, then the shepherd is, he's going to, you know, he's going to bring us under his care. And he knows what's best for us. Now, his compassion for all sinners, and remember, when I say all sinners, I'm just talking about everybody, because that's everyone. His compassion for all sinners brings with it an invitation to come receive forgiveness and a new life in the Spirit. But let's not forget this. There's also the reality that the call unheeded could one day be withdrawn. See, that, there's, there's two sides to this coin, and we can't forget that. And we read about it in the passage, because remember, Jesus sent the, them out, and to those places that rejected their message, what did Jesus say? He said, when you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And he said, because I'm telling you, 
that on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city. Well, that's heavy. But, but it just reminds us that, you know, this is not something that we can toy around with. This isn't something that we can just play fast and loose with, this, this thing of salvation, this invitation that is extended to us to come and receive the mercy of God. If the call goes unheeded, one day it could be withdrawn. Now, we don't know when that is, but, but this is what it leaves us with. It leaves us with the sense that, you know, I need to respond now. I, I can't delay. And I want to close with this from the 95th Psalm, which basically just expresses that very thing. It says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Here it is. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. The good shepherd sees the beaten, battered, scattered sheep and has compassion, but says, come, come under my care. Come under my leading. Come under my provision. Come under my protection. But, but this is, we, we have got to do that. We can't think that we can stay out there wandering off on our own and just anytime we decide we're gonna, well, then I'll, you know, then I'll get back there. Well, the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's the natural tendency. You're gonna keep drifting further and further. But the Spirit of God calls you to come back. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So we have a compassionate shepherd. And anyone who, seriously, anyone who says, well, I don't, you know, I don't want Jesus to be my shepherd. Why? Well, don't you want to be blessed? Don't you want to know contentment in life and peace and joy? And don't you want to have confidence about what's up ahead? what the future holds. We know the future holds for all of us at some point that we're going to die. That's inescapable. And only Jesus and the scriptures tell us what happens after that. And of course, the, the scriptures tell us that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want that. And I hope you want that too. And guess what? God wants that for you. And that's why even though we've all sinned, that he has come as that great shepherd of the sheep and given his life so he could bring us back into the fold so we could all say, the Lord is my shepherd. Now let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So Brian, a lot of people don't know this about you, that you actually love the Elisa Childers podcast. Yes, I do. And Elisa Childers on there, she deals with some of the issues of our time, especially those who are involved with kind of progressive Christianity or taking Christianity in a non-gospel direction. Yes, and her podcast is fantastic, and she has written a book. 
And the book is called Another Gospel. And yes, progressive Christianity is essentially a Christianity that wants to have the kingdom without the king. They want to leave the hard truths out of the biblical narrative and just sort of have a watered-down kind of a Christianity for today. But they're very persistent and wanting to push this on others as well. So Elisa had an experience in a church where she was subjected to this presentation of progressive Christianity, which caused her to really dig down deep and reestablish her own roots in the faith and then have a passion to talk about this issue. And so she ended up writing this great book called Another Gospel that I would highly recommend. It's going to give you like the up to the moment issues that are being talked about in churches around the country today. And so I highly recommend it. So that's Another Gospel by Elisa Childers with a forward by Lee Strobel. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. You can order the book Another Gospel by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers to help you wrestle with the idea of progressive Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.